hey hey subscribe to the youtube channel turn on notifications so you can get alerts when there's new episodes go get it Hello, everybody. This is Chip Baker coming to you with another episode of the Success Chronicles. And today we are with Dr. Jim Knight. Uh, very excited to have him uh, with this episode. Uh, he's a researcher who studies instructional coaching and has written numerous books about the topic. Uh, he, he's in a partnership with our my school district that I currently work in, Conroe ISD, and doing some great work with the leaders in our district and helping them. And so coming to us from Lawrence, Kansas, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to interview with the Chronicles, Dr. Knight. A pleasure to be here, but you forgot the part about the Jayhawks not winning the national championship. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, don't, I didn't know if I should say that. I love That's okay, Chip. I'm just, I'm just going to – Start out by teasing you. Yeah. Uh, well, I was rooting for a &M too. I was hoping they'd go a little. I was hoping that, well, Villanova took us both down. So that's a Mm-hmm. Sure did. Sure did. Well, let's, let's jump into your story. You know, talk to us about your life. You know, where you're from and how you grew up and, you know, kind of track your story up until now, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, happy to do it. Um, since this is a success chronicles, as you say, um, I think my life story is, um, you know, when I uh, graduated from high school, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to university and uh, my, my average after two years in university was D minus, which mm. is, uh, you know, you don't have to do, it's just like one little tiny notch against, against an average of F. And uh, for some reason, the university didn't invite me back. And, um, for some so, odd reason, huh? Yeah, I don't know why they didn't want me back. I mean, I could have, uh, I didn't fail everything. Um, so I had some time off and I went and lived in the mountains for a few years. And I was like a, you know, young kid living in the mountains. I actually lived in my car for quite a while. I used to go hiking and climbing, but I had a pretty bad case of learned helplessness. I didn't really think I could succeed. Mm. The funny thing is the act of climbing mountains, which I got really passionate about, changed my whole way of seeing myself. There's something about physically getting to the top of the mountain every, every weekend. I'd go out every weekend um, that somehow helped me believe I could succeed. So I, after living out there for about five years, I went back to university and was a lot more successful as a student. I got an extremely hard scholarship to get. I went on to get my doctorate at the University of Kansas and uh, and I went to Kansas because I was really interested in uh, what it takes to help teachers uh, implement practices in a way that's respectful of the teachers. I didn't really know what I was doing when I went there, but I knew professional development didn't work as far as I could see, and I wanted to do something different. And since I went to KU, that's pretty much what I've been studying. How do you, how do you partner with teachers to help them get the things they want, but do it in a way that's respectful of the teacher so they embrace it instead of resist? I don't even really believe in resistance. I think you're doing your job, you're providing what the person wants, and if they don't want it, then you need to keep thinking about what they need and, and so forth. So to me, resistance isn't even really the right word. But, but that's the story. Started out um, living in an old Galaxy 500 station wagon and uh, oh, wow. hiking in the mountains every day, climbing mountains, and uh, 
went back to school, got an extremely hard to get scholarships called the Social Science and Humanities Research Council Scholarship. I think they don't give them to very many people. I was lucky enough to get that, and that, that helped pay for my university and went on from there. Okay. Well, talk to us about your career. You know, once you, um, you started and kind of track that, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I um, went to KU and I knew I wasn't happy with how professional development was working. I worked with a guy in Toronto before I went there, uh, Michael Fullen at the University of Toronto. He's a real expert on educational change, probably the world's leading expert. He was generous and uh, really, um, really took the time to help me read a lot of stuff. I read all his stuff, but he gave me all kinds of ideas, got me thinking about professional development and then uh, for my doctorate, I studied what I call the partnership approach, and uh, which is really about how you relate to people as partners. And then um, we had this position called a learning consultant. We're sitting around a table at the University of Kansas, and somebody said we had this big grant to do, and um, I just still hadn't got my doctorate. I was working on my doctorate, and um, mm-hmm. but I was in charge of the grant, and somebody said, well, if teachers are going to use this, we have to go in the classrooms and show them, and we have to meet them, and we have to plan with them. We can't just do a workshop and expect to have them. We have to provide support. And somebody at the table, I can't remember who it was, said, well, if we know that's true here. Why don't we do that all the time? Why is it that we do what we do now? Because what we're doing right now is not working. And so we created, after that conversation, we created this position. It was first called a learning consultant, and then instructional collaborator, and instructional coach. Around about 2004, I wrote a paper for journal and staff development on instructional collaborators. When we came back, I changed the name to instructional coach. And uh, then since then, we've been doing a lot of research. We've actually done over uh, $30 million worth of research on, um, on coaching and, uh, wow. and um, published a lot of books about teaching practices and using video and so forth. So a, lot, a lot's happened. That is a lot. <laughs> what are three things you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of? You know, I saw those questions and I thought a lot about that. And I would say top of the list is I think I'm in a really good marriage. Yes. I think um, that's an accomplishment because I was divorced and I got remarried. And I don't accept all the blame, but I accept a lot of the blame for why that other marriage didn't work out. And, uh, and then when I remarried, I still wasn't really a great husband. And, you know, I had to figure out what a good husband does. And I, I'm still not where I want to be, but I think um, I've become a good husband. And uh, at least uh, I think my wife would be upset if I disappeared. There's probably times when we first got married, she would have been very happy if I disappeared. But now I think she actually likes having me around. And, and my wife's my uh, soulmate, but she's also my work partner, and she's my thinking partner. And, uh, you know, I, so that's one, I'd say, my marriage. I'd say, professionally, um, what I've done is uh, promoted this idea of instructional coaching. There's other people who talked about it, but I think it's become a big thing in education, a recognition that we have to provide support, and we have to do it in a way that honors and respects teachers. And um, it's not just tell them what to do and expect them to do it. And it's really, let's start with what you need and what you think. And you have valuable knowledge. Let's start there. And so I think the second thing is that uh, I promoted that idea of instructional coaching and it's had an impact on education. It's, it's around the world. 
you know? Yes. And a uh, third thing, a third thing I think is that um, I'm actually a relatively responsible human being. You know, when I started out, uh, like, like I said before, I was living in a car, I was kind of going from week to week, and sometimes I wouldn't have a job, and, uh, and then I wasn't particularly emotionally intelligent, even when I went back to university, I had a lot to learn, but now I think I'm, I'm practically a respectable individual, and, uh, and so I think that I've got my act together, and I'm reliable and responsible, and principle of what I do, I think all those things would, would say, that would be the third thing. I'm actually a okay. relatively respectable human being. I think, um, you know, like in anything, like you talked about with your marriage and those kind of things, I think, I think we're all a work in progress, you know, and then everything, so. and everything we do, I mean, there's always room for improvement, but I think if you're just, you know, working to give the effort and your heart's in the right place to do it the right way, then you're going to continue to grow and, and, and get better, I think. Can't do better than your best. So you just try, and then if you fall down, you get up again. It's the getting up again that's important, I suppose. You know. No doubt about that, no doubt. What's your definition of success? So I thought a lot about that, and um, I don't know that I, I really would say success is – like to me, success is not a destination. Mm. You don't say, oh, I've succeeded. I don't feel like, uh, half the time, I don't feel like I'm successful. You know, I think I could do a lot better in a lot of different ways. You know, I think I'm on a good path, but um, I don't know that I'd call myself successful because that sounds like you arrived. Right. And the journey's over. There's a novelist, I can't remember who it is, I was trying to think about this, but he said when you write a novel or you write a book, it's like driving a car at night and your headlights can only show you so far, but you can get that far and once you get there, you can get a little further. And so I think success is kind of like that. It's like, okay, well, I, I, I'm not there yet, but I can see the next 100 yards. You know, I can see the next steps to take. And you just keep trying to get better. And to me, getting better is inherently... Um, important human beings. I don't think we have a fulfilling life unless we're we're looking at try to trying how to get better. So I guess you could say success is living a life where you're where you're doing what it takes to get better. Mm, I like it. I really like that analogy with the headlights. I think that's that's so true. You know, I think you know success is a lot of different little successes. You know, if you you know look right. at it that way. What do you think it takes to achieve success? That's another good question. Um, you know, I bet you feel like what you would, your answer to the question today is different than it would have been 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say today, one of the things is, you know, you need to know what you're all about. You know, um, professionally, um, what I'm all about is doing what's best for kids. Now, I, I want our, our work to be good for our family, and I'm not going to, you know, be reckless, but the driving force behind what I do and the, and the filter through which we make decisions is, is this really best for kids? And different people will have different things that drive them, but I think to understand what's driving what you do is a really, really important part of success. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I mean, and I'm sure there's a million things I'm missing, but that's why you have your blog so you, or your, your video cast so you can hear what other people say. But I think you have to, um, you have to be, uh, you have to seek out feedback and you have to seek out feedback from people who might disagree with you. So when you write a book, uh, you have to send it out for people to review your book and give you feedback. And I always tell my editor, Dan Albert at Corwin, I say, give it to people who don't really like me that much because they're going to give me better feedback. And uh, so then they send back the book and I'm like, who are these idiots? How could they miss the point? And I'm mad for like a week. I get on the phone and yell at Dan about these people. I can't believe they gave me this crap. And then after about a week, I go, well, they got some good points there. I mean, if people just tell you you're great, you're not going to learn a whole lot. But mm. you know, seek out, seek out uh, feedback that's going to help you get better. I think that's really important. That's why in our, our work, we talk a lot about using video to improve the way you have conversations, improve the way you teach, to improve the way you lead or you coach. Mm-hmm. I think video is important because it gives you, gives you a clear picture of where you are. You can't get better from hiding from the truth. You have to, you have to face up. But at the same time, you have to, you have to be willing to not give up. You know, you can't say, "Oh, the video shows me that I stink, and so I'm not going to do it anymore." You have to say, "What are my next steps to move forward?" So it's supposed to getting better. It's almost faith that you can get better, and um, and a willingness to look at where you are. But that part has to be driven by what are my core principles. Uh, for me, a core principle is is the way we relate to people and. And what drives us is the need, you know, what's our driving force? We know we're all about, I think people who succeed, they know who they are. They're not wishy-washy. Um, they really, they have a sense of where they're trying to go. And what to, but it takes you a while to get there. When I was 25, I didn't know what I believed or what I wanted to do. Um, I'm sure there are 25-year-olds that can do it, but I wasn't one of them. It's taken me a lifetime to get to where I know what's my driving purpose. And that's interesting that you say that about about knowing yourself. And, and it makes me think back to like in college, you know, like you explain that situation, you know, you have to be in a situation to where like you're kind of alone, you know, you're in a situation where you have to grow up and figure yourself out and, you know, Hey, and learn, you know, get some bumps and bruises, you know, and then, and learn yourself. And then, Oh man, once you, once you learn about yourself and you're taking those positive steps in the right way, Oh, I think it just it just catapults you to do it more and more. And then before you know it, you know, you're living a fulfilled life and you're benefiting so many people. Yeah, I think you have to have faith you're going to get through the dark times. Yes. I'll, I'll just put one fed. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep with it. Yeah, period. Like, I don't know, but uh, I'm going to keep working. <laughs> right. Well, one, one other question off the script here. Um, you know, just, just listening to you talk, you know, we talked a little bit off air, you know, about, um, you know, your, your experience and, you know, finding who you were and going through those things and your education and then, you know, doing your research and having it benefit people and, and yes, world renowned work that is, that is so helpful. I know I can just tell you personally, you know, our district is so excited to have you work with them and, you know, it's truly benefiting our kids and our, our leaders here. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, seeing, you know, and you may not say this, but I'll say it, (laughs) all of the great things you've accomplished, (laughs) you know, um, 
you know, if you wanted to, if you could pick three words to describe what your legacy would be, what would those three words be? Well, I don't know if I can do it in three words, but can I take like a sentence? <laughs> You're Dr. Jim Knight. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I would have to say, I hope my legacy is I help people love each other more. Uh, mm. Or uh, generously or selflessly. Mm. I think... Uh, I think we need that. It sounds very soft and, and, and uh, you know, it sounds soft to say that, but I, I think uh, by love, I mean, we, we see the real person. You don't treat them like, uh, like we're not listening and we don't see them as, oh, she's just a new teacher or, you know, he's a Democrat or a Republican or, you know, we see the real person. I did a thing where I interviewed uh, a Republican and a Democrat after the election. And uh, my thing was, um, I wanted to write a blog, two blogs. And one of them was, how do, you, how do you talk to a Republican? And the other one was, how do you talk to a Democrat? I just never got around to doing it. And um, the funny thing was, they both said the same thing. They said, I just want people to listen to me and not treat me like I'm you know, like dismiss my ideas. I want them to really hear me, you know? So, and I think we, we, we really need that now. We really need this sense that uh, um, we see the other person and we listen to them instead of just writing them off. We, we actually take in what they we do our best. You know, you can disagree with the person says it's pretty hard not to these days, whatever your perspective is. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stuff just curls your hair, but um, you can disagree, but you can do your best to, to see a real person behind those beliefs. That is somebody who, you know, was a little kid learning how to crawl and, you know, entered into the world innocent as could be, and now they have these views. We should still, still look for the real person behind it. So that's a lot more than three words. But my legacy would be, I think, that there's that people treat each other with more love than they do now. That's what I'd like to say. I like to see it in schools especially, but but everywhere. Well, there it is. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to interview with the Chronicles. And uh, and thank you guys for watching this episode. We'll see you next time. God bless. Hey, my pleasure, Chip. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking the time. Good stuff. Go get it.